the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. This is the third part in our series on the seven churches from Revelation. In this episode, we introduce the churches. The main reading is Hebrews chapter 13. So we are not quite into the churches yet. We're just going to look at the... um, uh, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> we, we are into the, into the churches, but not specific ones yet. Um, so we looked at, obviously, the, the foundation was John's revelation, the word of the Lord given to him. It's not his words, it was, uh, as the word of God says, moved by the spirit of the Lord to speak and to minister. Fresh revelation of Jesus, of course. And um, <clears throat> the person of Jesus, his work, and the intimacy of the Lord, obviously, again, telling us that the Lord is imminent. He's right here. He's uh, interested. Obviously, he's invested in his church, isn't he? He's invested in his church. And um, uh, he's intimate with the church. And as we said right at the beginning of um, uh, two, three, one, two, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, um, all the sevens, sevens in, the, in Revelation, well, because obviously seven is completion, perfection, and that's why uh, it was the last book of the Bible, the last uh, revelation from the Lord. <coughs> No new revelation from the Lord. And then he speaks to us. Of course he does. But that's not revelation as in uh, biblical revelation. And uh, as you notice, these seven churches, they have, um, uh, there's a pattern to them. Bless the Lord. God is not a God of disorder, as we know. God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And that's what he said. Now, come on. You know, uh, he he loves to shake it up sometimes. Mm -hmm. But there is a decency and an order, isn't there? Um, about the Lord. Uh, now, we, we've got to be careful. My decency and his decency might not be the same, but there's a, there's an order. Because when you talk to the Corinthian church, they didn't know what was going on. It was everyone was shouting and speaking. Said, oh, now slow down now, one at a time, so we can get we can hear what people are saying, we can understand what they're saying, and uh, that's the context of that. But he is a God of order and God of patterns. There's patterns we understand that in the in God's word. And we were just talking. Um, if you've been watching the program on. Um, uh, the frozen planet too. Mm-hmm. Take out some of the commentary, of course, mm-hmm. but some of the, the sites are fantastic, and mm-hmm. and I was just thinking about every every when they showed that the the the, uh, the, the uh, water drop turning into a snowflake, mm-hmm. and um, a perfect pattern, a perfect six sided, but everyone different. Mm-hmm. See, that's a handy work of the Lord. I was thinking about that. they should not be different, should they? No, they should not be different. They should be the same. Because there's the raindrop and they freeze. Why should everyone be specific and different? Everyone is unique. I'm thinking, Lord, you're trying to tell us something there. Why would he? That's just something that is, we call it, I would call it the extravagance of God. Just to show how awesome he is. That it shouldn't come down there, but it does. But there's patterns and the patterns. And there's a sevenfold pattern in these churches. There's sevenfold. You can break it down to the seven things. And we look at those of course, the first one, yeah, that's why it's good to somebody bring an old Bible and write on the side of the Bible then, so because you'll forget this. But if you write it down, you, you remember. Um, first one, it all sees as well. Commission. First is the commission to the messenger of the church. Now, as we said before, who is that? Well, the word messenger or angel could refer to an angel. 
Uh, but that word has been used of people as well. So it could be the leader of the church or representative of the church or even a guardian angel of the church. Possibly not. But um, are you, let's, let's go with the leader of the church because he said, look, I'm commissioning you to write this down. I want you to take notes. This is the word of the Lord for this specific church. Now, and uh, that's, that's a real commission for us all, isn't we? We're all commissioned by God to take the gospel. Uh, none of us are exempt. Um, sometimes we say, oh, well, is, is the leaders, the leaders got to do that. No, no, we're all, we're all called to take the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, there's a, a awesome responsibility now um, for leaders. As we just said, they'll have to give an account. That's a, quite a, a daunting thing, isn't it? They have to give an account. And James said, no, be careful. He said, uh, you who fancy it. Be careful, he said, because your judgment will be severe. I'm thinking, oh, okay. Um, so there's, there's that commission. God loves to commission us. He has commissioned us. Uh, when he cleans us up, I, he said to Isaiah, and, and Isaiah is in the presence of the Lord. He's cleaned Isaiah. Who, who's going to go for us then? Who are we going to send? Who are we going to send? And uh, yeah, I am. You, you've touched me. You've, you've ministered me. I'm clean before a holy God. I've had an encounter with God. Now you send me. So there's the commission. And then, of course, uh, he goes and, and, and names us straight away after the commission to the leader. He, he identifies a specific character of Christ. So there's the commission and there's a characteristic of Jesus. Uh, some of those, if you look at all seven, we'll look at all seven when we get to them. Uh, the, he's already highlighted those in chapter one, his revelation of Jesus. But some are new. Um, we get to those. But that's where he starts. The commission and then Jesus. Always a great place to start. Jesus. The character of Jesus. And I put this in because I should have read it last week, but I didn't call it out. Um, Philippians 2, 5 to 11. It's a great chart, great verses. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he paid himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every nation should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. That's great verses. And of course, all those churches would have known those verses because remember, these churches were second generation churches, late 90 AD. And of course, obviously, Philippians was a long time before that. They would have known. But Jesus, the, the messenger, John is writing, and he highlights a particular characteristic of Jesus at the beginning. Interesting that you'll find as we go through the churches, generally, they are specific to that church, what the church needed to hear. God is like that, isn't he? He is very specific. Now, it's great to know Jesus in all his glory, but there's sometimes we need to know a specific characteristic of the Lord, isn't it? His protection or his provision or his, uh, his goodness or his mercy or his uh, awesomeness. And, and he reveals that to us. And, and we have time as we go and we walk with the Lord, God reveals more of himself or a particular characteristic of him, himself. And then he goes on, so there's the commission, there's the characteristic of Jesus. Then he goes on to a commendation. He starts with a commendation. Ah, well done. 
and um, apart from two churches, he couldn't say well done to those. Uh, but that was that. This was the pattern: accommodation, well done. And he highlights something that's going well in the church, something that's uh, uh, he blesses. And um, I was just listening to um, interesting. Uh, I just called clips of it. Jordan Peterson um, again, because uh, he obviously he's psych, he's psychologist, and he's saying uh, uh, young men specifically, but not necessarily young men. I don't think he said that our, our, our sort of barren and broken because they've never heard words of encouragement over their lives and and uh, and I, that's we we some of us can't understand that depending you know if you've grown up in a certain environment um but he said those words they, they are dying for lack of words of encouragement and uh, now some of us are good at that aren't we some of us are gifted in that some of us, like myself, are not good at, at encouraging. That's, and I've got to work at that. Um, and that's something you've got to work at, isn't it? But some, some people are, are wonderful at it. And, and uh, they're good to have around sometimes, isn't they? Come on, get your arm running. And that, but we've all got to develop that. Because ultimately, that's where, you know, discouragement's the worst thing in the world, isn't it? That's, that's the, as we said before, that's the one, number one in the tool chest of the enemy, discouragement. But so let's learn. And he said, that's, um, and of course, what Hebrews say, encourage one another, didn't it? Get around one another. So that's how he starts. And that's interesting. The Lord starts with a commendation before he comes to the censure. There's another C for you. Uh, the reprimand or the reproof. And again, um, uh, two churches he couldn't commend and two churches he couldn't censure because they were good churches but that's the pattern and there's one thing it was a number of things in all church in all the churches he says and this is one of them he starts off after after giving the commission after uh, showing the characters of the Lord this is what he says I know I know Bless the Lord. There's nothing. Why? Because we know he already said in the big chapter one, he's walking among the candlesticks. Remember? He's intimate. He's, inve- he, he's intimate. He knows he's abiding. He knows. He knows. Bless the Lord. Let's read some verses there. Stir our hearts. Uh, we can't hide from the Lord and uh, we don't need to hide it from the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, Psalm 139. Know this uh, chapter. One to six. Oh Lord, you God knows. There's nothing outside his remit. Sometimes we we act like Adam and Eve, don't we? And play hide and seek with him. And we think how, how silly we can become. Thinking that he knows it. He knows. And he says to every one of those churches, I know, I know. And he, he delves into the, 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 the state of the church. And they, well, that's why he commends. And that's how he censures. Because he knows. Um, Isaiah 40. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry horse one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is 
disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. They were complaining, as we often do. Oh, don't you know what am I going through? Don't you see the problem? Don't you see the issue? Aren't you interested? Don't you know? Don't you see? And the Lord says, well, come on, look up to the heavens. Look, he says, my understanding is, I love the word, is inscrutable, unfathomable. He said, I can see, I know. Um, and we come to sometimes why um, we think he's not interested in a minute, why he's, he's, what he's doing, but he does know. If he holds the universe together, he understands and knows my little, well, and he's interested. That's even better, isn't it? Uh, he's interested in that. Uh, Hebrews 4, 12, 13. For the word of the Lord is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints of the marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. <coughs> Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him or with whom we have to do. So again, the word of the Lord, that's what we need to pierce and to, and to self-examine. But the Lord says, I, there's nothing outside my remit, nothing outside my sight and remember you'll have to give an account for that uh, poor, uh, poor David when he was given those principles for Solomon to live out 1, Psalm, 1 Chronicles 20 29 know the Lord he said serve the Lord wholeheartedly for the Lord searches all hearts and he understands the very depths of our lives and uh, David knew that didn't he because David tried to hide and uh, he tried to run from the Lord and tried to ignore what he'd done. But the weight of the sin got on top of him until uh, uh, Nathan came and exposed him. And then, of course, it was all open. And, of course, he wrote Psalm 139. Um, so he understood. The Lord knows the heart. Jeremiah said, the heart of man is de de deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Next verse, I, the Lord, search the hearts. One of the churches in, 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 in these seven churches, Thyatira, he said, I am the Lord who searches hearts. He knows, he knows, he knows. That's why he can commend and that's why he can reprove. Even when we don't like it, even when we don't want to hear it, because uh, he knows, he knows. And it's amazing, sometimes we don't know, do we? Isn't that funny? How we can be, um, that's why he puts circumstances across our path or people across our path to reveal <laughs> our faults generally or sometimes our, our successes through other people and that's what happened I remember someone saying um, and you know out of the blue and I was <clears throat> a bit concerned about things and the person didn't come here but he, he, he said oh I heard this this and this and I and just encouraged me um, although he didn't he didn't know much about it but that's that's good to hear what people uh, what the Lord has to say now he's, he's a God that does reprove um, all these churches, as you said, save two, were called, were called, and God disciplined, God correcting them, uh, God censuring them. Why? Because God's a God who disciplines. Oh, why? Because he loves, doesn't he? He wants the church to be what it should be. And he, do, he will uh, bring a reproof. Uh, Hebrews 12. He have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. 
for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we father be in subjection unto the fathers of the spirits, and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So it is very clear, and again he picks it up from Proverbs, a good father disciplines. Why? Because number one, in, in those days, his reputation was at stake. Because if the son did something or the daughter did something, he'd have to pick up the bill for him. Because they were rep, they had his name. And when he were adopted into something, you carried their name. Not just the inheritance, but the responsibility to carry their name. And so you would be paying uh, for that son or daughter. So you made sure they were they knew that. And they and the Bible says very clear, Hebrews 12. He chastens them, he rebukes them. And all different word train a chasten is like a train educate, uh, and that's it's, it's different ways of chasing and discipline. Sometimes the Lord's going to say, no, 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 do it this way. This is the way to do it. Sometimes there's a rebuke, just a um, an admonition, um, maybe a, a little bit of shame, isn't it? Uh, those those words. I'm disappointed in you. Sometimes the the worst words you're going to hear from your parents, isn't it? <laughs> But, you know, God, God sometimes says, look, why, 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 come on. And, and he does that. And then in verse 6, he scourges. Oh, no. Of course, we've got to be careful now, haven't we? But let me tell you, the Bible is very clear. Uh, the Lord, it, that word there means to get hold of a whip. And uh, he's not, sometimes he will, as we so often say, use a four by two. Why? Because uh, certainly my head is a bit thick. And I only respond to a, a, a clout sometimes. Okay, Lord, I understand. Yeah, but see, that's the res- that's that's what He does to cause us to repent, to restore us, to re- rely upon it. But then He says, "What's our response to be? Don't despise it. Don't faint. Don't give up. Keep enduring. Remaining. Keep resolute, even though it's tough, even though it's difficult." And He says, "Now look for the purpose. The purpose is you will have life. You will live. It's for your profits, for your good, your advantage." If you've ever been in the, in the presence of a spoiled child that's become a spoiled adult, you'll wish their parents would chastise them. Uh, if you li- and if you live with one, you're in real trouble, isn't you? Because they've never, ever been disciplined, never been chastised. Because it's for our benefit. We don't like it, as he said. We don't like it. But God knows best. Um, so we, again, he, he goes further. You'll be partakers of the holiness of God. God is in the business of changing his church to become beautiful. And more than that, the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So God does censure us. He does censure us. He does reprove us. Um, Hebrew, uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty four. Whoever spares the rod hates their child, but the one who loves their child is careful to discipline them. And as we just read, out of love, but out of fatherhood. 
He said, if, if you're not disciplined, if you're allowed and there's no check from the Holy Spirit, then you've got to decide, well, you've got to ask yourself, Lord, am I saved? Am I saved? You know, am I, are you really my father? If there's no check in my spirit when they, and I know, I know I've done deliberate wrong, then we're in trouble, aren't we? Um, and there comes a point where, you know, even as saved, we can harden and harden and harden our hearts. And that's a dangerous place to be when we don't listen to what God, or, or listen to his chastisement. Um, listen to these verses. These are interesting because um, uh, it's a psalm, a number of psalms, but Psalm 119 says, um, Lord, I thank you. Boy, listen to this. I thank you for my affliction. <laughs> I thank you for my affliction because uh, either because if it didn't, I wouldn't know your word or I would have gone astray. So every time God, the word affliction or to grab our attention, he's doing it for, again, for our benefit. Listen to what he said about um, uh, Joseph, Psalm 105. And he sent a man before them, Joseph sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons. Till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. The word of the Lord tested him. For that word to be fulfilled, it had to bring a testing. He was put in shackles, he was unfairly treated, and, uh, and, and you can, you, we know the story of Joseph, uh, and he could have, in that dungeon, he'd, unf he'd be, uh, been treated unfairly, he'd be put in there, and then the, the cupbearer didn't even remember him, and he could have had a real good pity party, and deservedly so. But no, bless the Lord. And when he, he came face to face with his brothers, the brothers didn't recognize him, he could have had his own back. And um, I, I, maybe that went through his mind. It would have bound and gone through his mind. But when he comes and he said, look, you meant it for bad, but God meant it for good. God is in control. Bless the Lord. And the word of the Lord tested him. Bless the Lord, it did. But it proved him and refined him. So God is in the business of sin. So when we say, oh, God loves us, absolutely. But he loves us too much not to challenge us and to center us. Of course he does. If we said, okay, so, oh, you carry on. That's not love at all, is it? No, you say, oh, whoa, 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 we can do better than that. Yeah, we're 95%. Where's the other 5%? Come on. You should look at my results. I always hid my reports. <clears throat> They're there somewhere, but they down in the in the depths. <coughs> Dave is Dave is a good student, but he talks too much. I never knew. I never believed that. But there we are. Amen. And then again, the sevenfold challenge. The sevenfold challenge. So there's um, the correction from the Lord. Direction, commendation, censure. But then he corrects. Thankfully, God gives them a direction to go in and a correction. Five out of the seven churches, he calls them to repentance. He calls them to turn around, to challenge their ways, to examine their own hearts. Thankfully, we can do that, can't we? The Bible says, examine yourself. See if you're in the faith. That's why we break bread. He says, come around the bringer, examine your hearts. He's given us the ability through the word, through the Holy Spirit, to examine our hearts. If we're honest, of course, that's that's my problem. I'm not too honest sometimes. But when we're honest with the Lord, he will. Uh, and he, thankfully, he gives us direction. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't censure us. Now, we can be careful. We've got to be careful because we can, and, and we can be very critical. But God's critical with, with something that he, he can change. He wants to bring people through that into correction and direction. 
bless the Lord. So he tells them, five of them to repent. And others, the, the two he doesn't talk, call to repent. He says, keep going. Keep going. Here's your direction. You're going in the right way. Keep being faithful. Hold on. Hold fast. Keep pressing in. And then the challenge, he comes. Then the challenge comes. And the last one is the covenant promise. This is seven. Uh, the challenge to all seven churches. He who... I've got to be careful when we ask me. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord says. Every church, he says, now come on. I'm speaking. I've written it down for you. There's no excuse. Now listen, listen. We talked a bit about that last week. God's speaking, God's speaking. Let me just throw another verse out. Great verses. Uh, Luke 8, 18 to 21. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has hope will be given hope. Whoever does not have even what they think they have hope will be taken from them. And Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside, wanting to see you. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Take care, heed, be careful how you listen, how you listen. And I love Jesus because he always illustrates what it means to do that. Because his, his family turns up, they're looking, oh, your friends, oh, blessed your mother, where's your... Let me tell you where my mother is. Let me tell you my brothers are those who hear my words and do it. Just after he'd said, take care, we listen. Heed my word, hold fast to my, keep my word. Bless the Lord. So vital, vital. And again, I was listening, and <laughs> Joel Peterson said, a lot of his issues that he dealt with in his professional capacity is that many, many people have never been listened to. And he said, some of them need 10,000 hours of listening to, he said. And he said, but, and, and this, is, this is what someone said, more failures as a, as a professor, uh, in our uh, head, head, headmaster in the school, more failures in academic and social growth can be traced back to the inability to listen than to any other single aspect of the language arts. Isn't that interesting? Listen, creating to listen. He said, their uh, academic and social growth and failure in that is because they didn't listen. They couldn't listen. Uh, again, reading that quote for those teenage prostitutes in San Francisco, um, what, what do you need most? What do you want most? They said, what I need most is someone to listen to me. Someone who cares enough to listen. Isn't that sad? And we have a world that um, is looking for someone to listen. Uh, and, um, and the more we have a world where people don't actually talk face to face, they talk on, on social media, which is more and more alienating. Because there's no face, there's no features, there's no touch, there's no, there's no reality behind it. So, and uh, of course, again, that's the work of the enemy, of course. Um, but listening, Oh, take care how we listen. Because he's saying there's a challenge to every church. Now listen to what I'm saying. He was an ear, let him hear. And then there's a promise. There's a covenant promise to the overcomers. You who overcome. And again, he gives a specific blessing to the overcomers. How do we overcome? How do we gain victory um, in the Lord, for the Lord? Well, first of all, we must understand our position. <clears throat> Bless the Lord. Ephesians 2, 1 to 6. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. 
In the past, he was spiritually dead because of his sin and the things he did against God. Yes, in the past, he lived the way the world lives, following the rule of the evil powers that are all about the earth. That same spirit is now working in those who refuse to obey God. In the past, all of us lived like them, trying to please our sinful selves and doing all the things our bodies and minds wanted. We should have suffered God's anger because of the way we were. We were the same as all other people. But God's mercy is great, and he loved us very much. Though we were spiritually dead because of the things we did against God, he gave us a new life with Christ. We have been saved by God's grace, and he raised us up with Christ and gave us a seat with him in the heaven. He did this for those in Christ Jesus. So again, all because of what Jesus did, remember? He defeated the enemy. Colossians says he made a public spectacle of the enemy, defeated him on the cross. He, he, Hebrews says he, he came like us so he could defeat the uh, death and hell and, and the devil. So in him we have victory. Our position is in the heavenly realms. Now, how we work that out, that's something different because you can say, well, Dave, something I don't feel like in the heavenly realms. I feel like down in the depths. But that's, again, receiving, relying, resting in God. Um, uh, this, that's some pointers, some practical points. That's always good isn't it, from God's word. James 4, James 4, 7 to 10. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to the Lord, and he will lift you up. So there's lots of, lots of verbs going on there, isn't it? Submission, then you resist, draw near, keep yourself clean, keep yourself humble. All those specific things that will help us gain a victory when we're submitted to the Lord, when we rank ourselves under, it's a military term there, Lord, he's the leader, I'm the, I'm the uh, person who's listening to the orders. When we are like that, we can resist the devil and he's got nowhere to go, he's got to go. Why? Because we're under God's authority. Remember Job? Job, let me at him. You, you, I, I can't get at him because you're surrounding him. Absolutely. Bless the Lord. He said, okay, let me just lift it a little bit. Have a go then. Have a go. And uh, just finish Job now. And uh, uh, he did have a go, didn't he? And, uh, but Job um, moaned and groaned a bit. That's no problem. God didn't mind that because he was mourning to the Lord, didn't he? And uh, you can see, you can see his, uh, he's at one day, he was, oh, I know that my Redeemer lives, bless the Lord. And next to me, he's saying, I wish I wasn't born. And we can see that. And, and that's great in God's word because he was just being honest with the Lord. And then God brought him through and uh, revealed more of himself. So bless the Lord, submission. Keep ourselves close, Lord, abiding in him, staying in him, through him. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, are, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every preposition, preposition, preposition that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Our weapons are mighty. Because they are divine. Now we've got to get a hold of them, haven't we? We've got to get a hold of God's word. We've got to get into his presence. We've got to receive the Holy Spirit that gives us those victories. That gives us the power and the ability to be overcomers. And there's the covenant with those who overcome will 
be have the, all those blessings we'll come to as we um, as we read them as we go to those specific churches. How about these? This verse from Psalm eighty-one: If you will listen to me, walk in my ways, I would have quickly subdued your enemies and turned my hand against your adversaries. If you would listen and walk in my ways, through you we will push back our adversaries. Through you, remember, it's in him, through him, because of him. Um, through you we will uh, trample down those who rise up against us. Thankfully the Bible says very clearly, isn't it? Um, I, I said to this, I will give you power to tread and to step upon the enemy. Romans 8 says you are more than conquerors in, through, by and because of Jesus. Remember, in him, if God is for us, who can be against us? He said, and the word there is more than conquerors. It means hyper-conquerors, preeminently victorious. Bless the Lord. That's good news, isn't it? In him, we can overcome. And uh, our, our last verse, uh, Ephesians 6, which again, we know very well, but let's read it because it's good, practical, 10 to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the mighty uh, in His mighty power. Mm. Put on the full armor of God, mm. so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the <coughs> against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up your shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. Bless the greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The Lord of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Again, promises all that we need from the Lord has given us to receive it. The armour, the word of the Lord, his presence. Uh, rely upon him, always relying upon him, listening to him, then resisting him, and then overcoming. Bless the Lord. And then that, those great rewards and the covenant promise. So, seven things. Commission, character, uh, a character of Jesus. The commendation, help us to start with, isn't it? Uh, some of us start on the censure. Uh, then the censure from the Lord. And the correction, he doesn't leave us hanging. He says, now this is a way to, to deal with this. This is the way to make it right. To make sure, there's the challenge, isn't it? He was in ear, let him hear. And then overcoming, overcoming. All, all those little niggly things sometimes. Deal with the little foxes that uh, can uh, catch us and trip us up. Uh, but we have the victory in him, through him, by him. And the promises come, hallelujah. So there's our sevenfold uh, pattern to the churches and we'll should be in the first church next week Ephesians Ephesus bless the Lord Amen
We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org. Thank you.